Hello, and welcome to the Investing on the Go podcast. I'm Chris Sarley, and today we're joined by David Harrison, manager of the Rathbone Global Sustainability Fund. Thank you for joining us today, David. Thanks, Chris. Lovely to be here. Um, I wanted to start by um, talking about the fact that it's five years since the UN Sustainable Development Goals were introduced. Um, Could you please tell us what the aim was with these and, and how successful they've been in the past five years and perhaps also maybe where they also need to make some improvements? Yes, yeah, so it's, it's a great question. Um, so, so the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, or the UNSTGs, um, were introduced in in 2015, like I say. And I guess the you know the, the biggest aim of them was a, a kind of a global call to action to solve a number. So the, there's 17 goals covering everything from um, resource efficiency. Um, tackling climate change, um, thinking about sustainable infrastructure and reducing um, inequality. And these, these were really important um, because they were kind of one of the, the first global frameworks um, that has been adopted and being very clear in, in what they're trying to achieve. You know, there's 17 of them, um, there's specific focus on, on individual issues, whether it might be around um, kind of water usage, um, say inequality, um, other specific goals around innovation. And they've been incredibly important, we believe, in bringing the sustainability um, conversation forward because of their global nature um, and the fact it kind of gives you, a, I guess, a level playing field um, to talk about these uh, the, these issues. Um, I'd say um, in terms of you know how much we've achieved and, and, and where we need to get better. Um, if you look at the most recent um, uh, UN report on the sustainability goals, you can see on some of the goals, um, you know, we're falling well short. So some of the action around climate change, um, some of the action around you know what we're doing to, to the environment, but other goals we're doing better. Um, you know, particularly around um, access to healthcare, um, gender equality in government, for example. So, you know, clearly COVID brings in a new dimension to this as well. Um, you know. I, this is not a time that we can relax on on these goals. Um, so yeah, there's clearly a lot to do. We've only got ten years left to, to help try and achieve them. Um, if you think about the, the successes and with respect to um, perhaps the investment community and how we, we we think about we can use the goals for um, positive change in our investments, I think there's been a lot of success. Um, you know, firstly, you know the way we do our job, we've integrated um, the, the UN goals into how we we manage the fund. And it allows us um, really to, when we speak to companies uh, around the world, to have a, a common framework, a, a, a common language. So I think the UN goals from that respect have been, been, been very, very powerful. And also, you know, we would argue that the, the UN goals have accelerated, um, you know, subsequent um, uh, regulation and, uh, and legislation. Um, so if you think about you know, EU taxonomy uh, and some of the, the climate-specific goals that are coming through in, in, um, in Asia and the, and the UK, for example, the, U, the UN goals have been, um, have been very strong in driving this. Um, in terms of you know, how they might be improved and, and, and finessed in the future, um, you know, there's 17 of these goals. Some of them are um, kind of 
very almost cause conflicts um, with what they're trying to achieve. Um, you know, for example, um, how we manage, how we achieve um, zero poverty, but also do that in a way um, that we, we do it in a very responsible way in terms of our um, carbon emissions, how we treat the environment. These are things I think you know, we need to think about for the future. And the other thing you know, I think that we need to improve further is disclosure. So if we think about companies when we go to see them, you know, is there a common disclosure standard? Should they be required to integrate the UN goals into how they run their businesses? These are things we'd, that we'd like to see in the future. Okay. Uh, you, you touched on it a bit there. Could you maybe just talk a bit more in, in detail in terms of how these relate to the funds following its launch a couple of years ago and sort of how they work in practice for the fund? Maybe, maybe give us an example or something along those lines if possible. Yes, yeah, so we, we kind of use them in two ways um, on a day-to-day basis. Um, firstly, you know, I, I mentioned that these these goals are a great global framework. So we can compare um, maybe a business in the US, business in Asia, across different sectors. So an industrial company with a with a um, with a chemical company or a healthcare company, and when we go to meet a management team, um, we will use the UN goals as a key tool really to identify um, if a company company is sustainable or not. More and more companies are using the UN goals and their annual reports um, and we find them as a, as a great way really to kind of separate the companies that are walking the walk versus those that might potentially be greenwashing. You know, we want to know from the management team, um, you know, are these goals integrated in, into your financial returns? How do you build your business? Um, and as a, as a tool and, a, and that kind of global language in terms of investment, they're very, very powerful. Um, so that's the first thing as a practical tool. The second thing um, is that we've integrated the UN goals back onto our own sustain- sustainability framework. So we can show our investors um, in the fund you know, uh, you know, how much the fund is exposed to, to, to each um, UN goal, how that changes over time. So it's really to give our investors that complete transparency about the positive impact that we're achieving stock by stock and, and at a portfolio level. Um, we spoke back in April at the height of the, the sort of first wave of the pandemic, and we talked about company responses, for example, how they were treating employees, etc. With furlough schemes ending and the like, how is company practice continuing? And is it still as good or has economics and survival sort of taken the front seat? Um, so this is something that, that we engage with our companies um, all the time. So back in April, we spoke about this, that we'd reached out to all our companies. Yeah, we wanted to know really about how they were behaving to all their stakeholders. So like you say, you know, their employees, supply chains um, and wider communities. And that's something that, that we keep doing. So you know, that is, a, is, a, is, is part of our daily work as engagement, holding the companies to account, um, making sure there's commitment from senior managers management and that commitment's ongoing. We're still seeing that with the, with the, the companies um, that we own. Um, and it's a prerequisite that they continue to do that. If a company uh, you know, doesn't live up to that behavior, um, then it won't be in the fund. It's something that is, is really important to, to our kind of investment philosophy. Um, so yeah, we are seeing it um, for kind of a lot of our opportunities. I'd say um, you know, from, from a wider point of view, a couple of things. I think well, very importantly and positively, what this has raised has been um, the issue of company behaviour. You know, people talk about the you know, ESG, the S part being highlighted through COVID, and we have highlighted those issues. 
Um, and that is something I think we have to um, kind of take forward and build on in the future and hold companies to account. I think, unfortunately, there'll always be examples of companies that um, don't think about the S part. They don't think about their behavior to stakeholders. Um, they might often be in, in very challenged um, kind of areas of, of the economy or a company that's facing a, a very um, uncertain financial future. But it goes back to, again, you know, in terms of our strategy, um, that why we focus on quality, why we focus on high quality companies that are more financially secure, that can think about these ESG issues at times of stress. And it's really integrated to kind of their, their core operating kind of um, DNA, as it were. Uh, you mentioned the high quality companies there. The, the fund has sort of performed well since the, the sell-off in February, March. Um, could you maybe give us background about why that's been the case and um, what specifically has worked for you? Yeah, so kind of from that quality point, I think that there's, there's two uh, big drivers. The first is that quality. You know, I often speak about um, it's central to our investment philosophy about owning durable franchises. So well-run companies um, that have strong market positions, good management teams, and that quality focus has clearly helped us. Um, you know, clearly we're going through a time of volatility and stress. And what we're seeing is that many of our companies are actually coming out of the crisis in a strong position. In many cases, they, they, their ability to work with their customers, you know, to our, our previous point, work with all their stakeholders, that is something that has been rewarded um, in the market. Um, and again, is, is a core part of our um, philosophy and will remain so. I think the other point really is that you know, we're invested in companies that are exposed to sustainable end markets. So if you think about a business, it might be a wind turbine business like Vestas, the Danish wind turbine business, you know, renewable energy is growing. It will continue to grow. Um, or you know, in the healthcare space, we own a business called Thermo Fisher Scientific um, in diagnostics and testing. Again, um, at a time of, of global uncertainty, this business is seeing kind of a, a rising um, revenue stream and can provide that kind of comfort to investors. So I think that quality focus and that, that exposure to, to kind of sustainably growing um, end markets is really important. I would say, you know, I think that the future is even more exciting. Um, we're seeing a, a couple of key trends come out of this crisis. Um, so one of them being um, increasing focus on green infrastructure, for example. Um, as there's more fiscal stimulus, more of it is green infrastructure. Yet the starting point is really low. If you look at um, kind of global uh, renewable penetration, um, it, it's, it's still below 10% in many cases. So we see the runway for growth being significant over the next five years. Or in another area, if you think about um, you know, a vehicle electrification, um, you know, electric vehicles, the percentage of the overall fleet is still very, very low. But companies are really accelerating that, that move away from carbon um, intensive vehicles. We think that kind of the opportunity set over, over the next 10 years um, is really significant. So, yeah, we, we benefited. Um, but like I always say, we're very long term managers um, and we think that the future is really exciting. That's great, Debbie. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks very much. And if you'd like to learn more about the Rathbone Global Sustainability Fund, please visit fundcaliber.com. And while you're there, remember to subscribe to the Investing on the Go podcast. Please remember, we've been discussing individual stocks to bring investing to life for you. It's not a recommendation to buy or sell. The fund may or may not still hold these stocks at your time of listening.